Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I felt inspired by God to share about the spirit of a man, okay, the human spirit. And the reason why I want to share about it, or the reason why I want to say quite a lot in this service touching this, is because that we have realized that even when we become born again, regenerated, new creation in Christ Jesus, some people have not understood the power of their spirits. They have not understood why God put a spirit in them, why they are a spirit with a soul and a body. Some have not learned how to exercise themselves of their spirits. Some do not know how to connect to the spiritual world through their spirit. Some have been either deceived about the realities of the power of the human spirit, or some know so little and a very small understanding concerning the spirit of a man. And I want to now take some time and explain what your spirit is, what it means to have a spirit in man, and what that does for the realm that is not seen, the spirit realm, and what that does in the realm that is seen, which is the physical realm. Because the Bible is clear that the things which are seen were not brought about by things which do appear. Okay, That's Hebrews 11 verse 3. By faith we understand. Everything you see was created by things that are not seen. That means that you cannot learn the art of creating when you cannot connect to the world and realm that is not seen. And that is obvious for those of you who have been listening to me for quite some time. That's so easy for you to see. But tonight I wanted to go deeper into understanding because it's easy to preach or speak about the person of the Holy Spirit. It's easy for Christians, believers, to connect and relate with the person of the Holy Spirit. But then some have the question, how does the person of the Holy Spirit connect with my spirit as an individual? Okay. How does that work? How do the two work together? And how does it look like? Okay, in Proverbs chapter 20, verses 27, the Bible says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. If I will read that for you in the Amplified Bible, it will be easier for some of you to understand. He says, the spirit of man, and he says, that factor in human personality which proceeds immediately from God is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his inner parts. Okay. So when God created man, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the Bible says, that man became a living soul. Right? God can relate with souls to a certain degree. Right? God can relate to souls in a certain way. For example, animals, we believe biblically, do not have spirits. But God communicates to animals too. And through animals too. You know, the Bible has been so expressive about that. So God can connect with souls to a certain degree. Animals have certain senses that are amazing as, you know, scientists are studying them. They discover that there's something even supernatural with these things that carry souls. All right? So the man that was created in the garden, that man was a living soul. But his spirit was not fully active. All right? His spirit was not fully active. Because the thing that activates that spirit fully is a new birth. 
All right? That is why the Bible says that the man which is not born again, the non-spiritual man, the carnal man, the man who is not yet changed or regenerated, he cannot receive or accept the things of the Spirit. The Amplified refers to that man as a natural man. And he says that natural, non-spiritual, why are we saying non-spiritual? It means that the person of the Spirit in him is inactive because of the fallen nature. Is inactive because of the fallen nature. And so when you become born again, that man is fully active. You know, he's activated because he's given life through Christ. Right? Now, God says that to connect to you, to relate with you, to use you and work through you, he made you a spirit. Right? So when the Bible speaks of a man who is dead in their own trespasses, or a man who is not born again, the Bible refers to a man who is not a believer as a man who is dead. What part of that man really is dead? Okay, The part of that man which is really dead is the spirit man. He's inactive. The spirit part of that man is inactive. Okay, And so when a man becomes born again, the man of the spirit is activated. Okay? But it doesn't mean that when a man has a soul, he cannot connect to the spirit realm. They have a certain connection through familiar spirits. right? But when you are born again, there's only one connection, which is the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that your soul cannot incline to darkness, to another spirit, to a familiar spirit, if you don't have understanding or knowledge in the ways of God. But it only means that God has deliberated that you function fully under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So he says, for as many as are led, okay, the full exercise and the working of the self to submit and yield wholly to the person of the Holy Spirit, that defines our maturities in God. So he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, are they the sons of God? The word their sons is heroes, the mature ones of God. Right? So our maturities in the spirit are justified or are defined keenly on how much we are yielded, our spirits alive are yielded unto God. All right? They're yielded unto God. So God says that there is something that in you I have put, and that is the spirit. And he says, and that is the path that is the lamp, it is the light, it is the thing that I connect to, to work through you. So if the Holy Spirit is come in you, he connects to that particular person, which is the spirit man, okay? He does not connect to your soul or your flesh. He connects primarily to your man of the spirit. That man is activated through the way of salvation. And I want you to follow me very keenly. So God says that that is the thing in the man, that factor of personality that proceeds from God is the one that sends it. That is the particular thing that is the lamp of God. That is the thing with which he uses to light the man. So when you become born again, and the Bible says you're a possessor of the light or a child of the light, where is that light really? That light is in your spirit, okay? And that light represents knowledge. That light represents understanding. That light represents the wisdom of God. That light represents the abilities of the spirit touching the truth, the realities of the word of God. That is what that light represents. Okay? Not only just knowledge, wisdom, understanding, but also the ability of the spirit. How much can that spirit, which has been touched by God, lit by God, that born-again believer be? How much ability does that man have? All right. Now, I'll read for you a few things, probably, to help you understand the abilities, to help you understand the functions, the way your spirit works with the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 1, verses 9, Paul says that, For God is my witness, whom I serve, he says, with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you in my prayers. He says, I serve God with my spirit. That is the part of you that really serves God. The beginning of your service toward God begins with the awakening, the establishing, the knowledge, the wisdom, and understanding of the spirit man to understand service. Okay? It's not the things people do you know, openly, necessarily, in the service. It begins with the revelation of your service in the spirit. There's a worshiper who is singing, for example, and worshiping God in their right senses and right intention. Okay? But 
They don't serve God with their spirit the way they must because they do not have the full understanding of who they serve or how they serve. The Bible says, for they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. It doesn't mean that that worshiper could not have a good voice. Not every wonderful voice makes a wonderful servant of spirit. You understand? Not every wonderful teaching or speaking or a great orator qualifies for a wonderful minister of spirit. It takes a certain qualification in God, and that qualification is maturity. God has to mature you to understand what it means to serve. What people see outside is the result or the manifestation, the physical manifestation of your inward conviction and service toward God. That is why it's possible for a man to act worship, you know, to pretend that he's worshiping of what they don't understand. Okay? It's possible for somebody to fall their face, and then you imagine that they're so deep in the spirit and they understand God a certain way. It's possible to hear a man praying and you're like, wow, this man must know God. But when it comes to the reality of the manifestation and the justification of the praying man, you don't see the equal measure. Okay, You don't see that indeed God is backing and vindicating the prayer of this man. It doesn't mean that people should not pray. No, it doesn't mean that I'm against prayer. But you see, the semantics of prayer are different from the authority and understanding of prayer. When you study the degrees of prayer, it defines a lot. Look at Jesus. The Bible says he gets in a place and sighs. He groans in the spirit. And he walks to a man that has been in a tomb for four days and he raises him from the dead. So how did he pray? What manner of prayer was that? It goes even beyond the words you are able to speak because there are men who know how to speak well. And it goes to the depth of conviction, authority, understanding, and wisdom and faith with which the man activates, you know, the decision to pray and believe God. All right? That is why even the simplest words can command the biggest miracles in the spirit realm when you know how to do it. It's not about how we cluster these words and put them together. Like for the worshiper, it's not just about them knowing songs. It's deeper than just knowing songs. It's another thing to know who you really worship. Okay? Now, to get to the space of understanding service, Paul says, I serve God with my spirit in the gospel. That means your spirit is not just a passive entity seated in you, waiting to rebuke devils and, you know, chase this. And no, no, no. God has said that that's the first person, the first element that is submitted to the service of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you serve God in your spirit, it is different from simply serving God with your mind. And that is why there are people who are actively serving God, but they don't have the fruits of the Spirit that serves God. It is simple because it's not just enough to see the things people see you do with your hands, right? It's the reality of how much you are attuned to the truth of God in your spirit, right? So we see that the Holy Spirit connects to our spirit only in the aiding of our service toward God. But also, this Spirit is a feeling spirit, okay? He has emotions, your human spirit as well. Your spirit has feelings as well, you understand? He can be, you know, downcast. He can be refreshed. The Bible speaks of men, First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 17. He speaks of one Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for which was lacking on your part, these men supplied to Paul, for they refreshed, he says, my spirit. These men refreshed his spirit and yours, and therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. He speaks of people that could refresh the spirits of men. It's possible for a preacher to refresh your spirit, for a worshiper to refresh your spirit. It's possible for a ministry to refresh your spirit. That part can be rejuvenated, given life, you know, and strengthened. And if it can be strengthened, if it can be refreshed, that means that spirit in you as well can be broken. The human spirit can be frustrated. The human spirit can be, you know, depressed. If you don't know how to possess yourself, if you don't know how to align yourself to the order of the realities of the truth in God. And because of that, there are people who are okay outside, but their spirits are broken. Their spirits are wounded. 
and they ask themselves, what's happening around me? You know, I don't find peace about something. But really, the inside, your spirit is wounded, touching something. Your spirit is frustrated inside you, and you don't even have an answer. Some people say, oh, you know, uh, Apostle, I'm so sad. I don't know why I always feel sad. You know, that's a downcast spirit. Some people are downcast. There's somebody watching me. But you don't know why. Sometimes you just find yourself so sad. You find yourself so frustrated. You find yourself so, you know, disturbed. You don't feel peace in your life. There is a joy you cannot find and don't feel. Yet it has been given by God to you. So what's really happening? It's because some people's spirits are broken. And that's why I tell people, when you understand how that works, you learn how to position yourself in spaces and places and around people and things that refresh your spirit. Because the degree of refreshing of your spirit is to the degree of the strength that you have within you. The might of the spirit. Paul prays for the church that they might be strengthened with might in their inner man through the Holy Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit help you? The person of the Holy Spirit is to help you, refresh you, strengthen you, uphold you, grant you might in the spirit. Because to the degree of the strength of your spirit, right, to the degree of the exploits, the power and authority that you command in the spirit realm and consequently the manifestation of glory in the physical realm. But you see, that inner man as well carries divine instruction. There's a way he understands God. There's a way he connects to God. There's a way he hears God. One time, when Paul was going to trials, that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12, he says, when I came to trials to preach Christ's gospel, he says, a door was open unto me of the Lord. 13 says, but I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from Thessalon to Macedonia. There was a time he did not feel rest in his spirit because he could not see Titus. And there's a reason why as a man of God, he did not feel that peace in his spirit. That can only tell you that there was a definitive instruction in his spirit touching his connection to Titus in that hour when he goes to trials. Okay. Sometimes the things that we even feel in God, sometimes you've gone to places, you enter a place or a restaurant or a hotel, and your spirit is not at rest. Your spirit doesn't have a certain peace. And I tell people that the presence of that restlessness seeks for a yielding of a man to understand from God what is the instruction. What is God saying? concerning that place? What is God saying concerning your going in that place? Or particularly, maybe the issue is with a particular place, okay? And you enter a place, and sometimes you lose peace about it, and you hear, you know, a conviction in your heart to walk away. You feel a conviction in your spirit to not go to that place. And some heed to it, some ignore it. Some ignore it. But your spirit is speaking vibrations in the spirit realm is speaking instructions through the Holy Spirit. That is the part in God that is lit for your instruction and command. But to some people, they think, ah, I just don't know why I felt that way, but I felt. No, it's more than just why you felt that way. God is trying to instruct, to speak something very important to you, but you might ignore, it might go beyond, or you might not see and understand fully what God is speaking to you at that particular hour. And that can be the difference between life and death for some of us. It might be the difference for life and death for some of us. One time, I have a friend of mine, he told me that he entered a little small building. And as he was in that building, he just felt that he lost peace. He lost peace. And he felt that he should go out. And when he went out, he says the story is given that something cracked on that particular building and a big chunk of that building fell in. And he was the only person in that building during that time. What if he had stayed inside and ignored the nudging of that restlessness? Perhaps something could have happened. Maybe today I would not have him for a friend. He probably could have passed earlier in his life. But because he responded to that restlessness of the spirit. Some people listening to me, some of you when you lose your loved ones, there's some you feel, even before you're told, you start to feel that there's something that is not settled within you. All right? It starts with your spirit. It hits your soul as well. And you're like, but what is happening? What is happening? 
What is happening? It is because God is trying to tell you something, okay? And it's through that that visions begin. It's through that that instructions and command begins. It's through that that some of you have thought about individuals. As you think about somebody, they call you. As you imagine about somebody you've probably not thought about for weeks and months, you, you know, bump into them on the road. And somebody, hey, I just thought about you, and you're called. Or I just thought about you, and you came to see me. But have you asked God why he brought that impression in your spirit, that face in your spirit, that person in your spirit before you met them? And some people, when you start getting into those strides, when you start getting into those graces, I tell people, yield yourself entirely to ask God to find out why am I getting these, you know, impressions prior to the meeting of these people? Why is my spirit receiving certain signals concerning events and affairs that align themselves partially or fully to my consequent experiences of the hour, of the time, of the season, and of the period? When that starts to happen, it means then you are humbling yourself deeper to God to be able to hear Him more clearly than you have before. The spirit realm is not just for men of God, prophets or what, or apostles. No, no, no. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. When you became born again, your spirit man can fully yield and activate himself to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And remember, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to search out the deep things and bottomless things of God revealing them to us. He's the revealer of things given. He's the revealer of truth. He's the teacher of all realities. He gives these things to us that we might be of advantage in every dispensation and time. In every dispensation and time. I cannot tell you that countless times I could have entered a car and my spirit said, don't enter that one. I could have taken a shorter route as I'm driving and my spirit says, don't take that route. I could have booked you know, a meeting and the spirit tells me, don't. But he can only connect to me through the light that God has placed, that personality that God has placed in my being. And that is my spirit man. That is my spirit man. God can only connect to us that way. Some of us, even the repercussions that are around us, were as the ignoring of the things that are in a man sensed by the Holy Spirit. Because that's the part of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't speak to you through your soul. He does not speak to you through your body. He speaks and connects to you through your spirit. Now, if your spirit is not awakened to understand, because when you become born again, all right, God has given that spirit life, all right? God has given the spirit all the potency and abilities. That spirit can only have the opportunity to act as God has ordained it through understanding, through wisdom through knowledge, through prayer. That's why we have a life of prayer. Paul says, I pray with my spirit. You don't just pray with your mind. You don't just pray with your normal human understanding. No, you pray with your spirit. Okay? You yield to the service of God with your spirit. And I have seen if there's any error that I've had, God had warned me in my spirit. I probably simply had ignored it or taken it lightly. But even in the simplest, simplest things of my life, I have realized that you can mature to a place where nothing gets you off guard. Again, I repeat that. You can and you should mature to a place where nothing gets you off guard. Not because you are a prophet, but because you have the ultimate prophet who is the person of the Holy Spirit. When you have that, it means your ways will be ordered, your steps will be directed. You will not go where you're not supposed to go, or at least if you should, you will know that you're going, but you're simply ignoring the aid and the instruction of the person of the Holy Spirit. There are things that I have seen even in the body of Christ, and that is why I tell people, if somebody will ask, how do I make sure that my spirit man is fully yielded and connected to the Holy Spirit. Very simple. Truth. The truth. Remember the words Jesus said, he speaks to us. They are spirit and truth. These are the instructions of God. 
by the person of the Holy Spirit. It's very simple to reconcile that when you understand how truth works. You know, somebody one time sent me a message and said, pray for me, I feel God is so quiet. So, so quiet. I don't know what to do. And I answered that text and I said, dear beloved, the God I know is so loud in his word. He's so loud in his word. So I said, because some people, they want a special word. They want God to come in a special way so they can know that God is communicating to them. But sometimes the communications of God are so clear. They are so clear. God is so clear through his word. But you see, when we continue to grieve the person of the Holy Spirit, we rebel with our spirits. You understand? If we start opposing, you know, the person of the Holy Spirit. But you see, to get to a point where your spirit is rebelling against the person of the Holy Spirit, it's a place of ignorance, not deliberation, because nobody born of God deliberately commits sin. That is why in those spaces, God winks by his grace. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. He cannot deliberately practice because the Bible says God's nature abides in him. That principle of life, the divine sperm permanently abides within that person and he cannot continue practicing sin because he's born of God, he's begotten of God. So yes, there are things that we rebel against the person of the Holy Spirit because of the ignorance not intent of our spirits. Remember, when you become born again, you're born of an incorruptible seed, okay? You cannot deliberately set yourself against God, but you can, in ignorance, set yourself against the person of the Holy Spirit. Your spirit can, in ignorance, set himself against the person of the Holy Spirit. To not to know, I mean, Apollos was born again man. The Bible says he was fervent in the spirit and mighty in scriptures. But the Bible says he beheld another doctrine, that was a bit of an error of his spirit. He wasn't intended. He was just an ignorant man. And so Priscilla and Aquinas, they bring him on the side and start to show him, the Bible says, the excellent way, the finer space. They start to show him, no, you have to transcend beyond the doctrine, the revelation of John the Baptist. You have to get into understanding the mystery of Christ, thanks to Priscilla and Aquila. They had to separate this man and help him understand that he was seeing the wrong way. And so there could be errors. Not because he's not fervent in the spirit. No, but because he's ignorant of certain realities. So as you get to connect into the truths of the Holy Spirit, you are aligned better to connect to the person of the Holy Spirit through your spirit. You are more accurate. You are more aligned. And I'm talking about the gift. No, this is not a gift. This is an exercising of the mature. And if you can't tell the difference... You have a long way to go because there are people who could be gifted, but they're not mature when it comes to the way of the truth because it means their spirits have not yet fully come to the knowledge and understanding and revelation of the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough that because I make a lame man walk, therefore I'm mature. No, it's not enough that because I've you know, spoken a wonderful word or prophesied something or told something, Wonderful, therefore, that means that I'm mature in the spirit. It's the expression and the demonstration of truth to the degree of how much that truth reconciles with the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of God. Okay? And that only the mature can understand. So God has called your spirit, the human spirit, to fully cooperate and align himself entirely to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean that when you become born again, that he cannot seek by ignorance to define and find or devise his own way of operation minus the person of the Holy Spirit. For example, the Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, right? And that's right as well for the apostle, that the spirit of the apostle is subject to the apostle, right? But that is not the Holy Spirit. No, we are subject to the Holy Spirit. You understand? We are subject. I am submitted. The spirit of Prophecy is not submitted to the prophet. No, it's the spirit of the prophet that is subject to the prophet. But the prophet is subject to the spirit of prophecy in the book of Revelations, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. We all look to Jesus, the author, and the finish of our faith. Right? But we also have our own spirits that are submitted to us. And we can either choose to yield entirely to Christ or, you know, digress ourselves into other things 
And that, again, I repeat, that if a man is really born again, it can only happen in the ignorance of that man, not deliberate. Okay? And that is why I tell people, when you see a Christian with weakness, and you're sure that they're born again, you must understand that your place is to pray for them, intercession, you know, pleading on their behalf, that perhaps God will help them restore themselves from the snare of the devil, that he will help them come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's the ministry of the fivefold, that we might bring all men to the knowledge of the truth. Paul says in Colossians that we labor, that we might present all men perfect in Christ, not to Christ, not the ones who take you and then take you to Jesus and say, huh, look, I've perfected Hanita. No, our place is to make sure that we preach Christ, warning every man in all wisdom and in every way that we might present every man perfect in Christ. All right? But now the harder one that I know will disturb some of you, but you will understand. Paul gives an example in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He had an issue of a man who had committed fornication that was not even common among the Gentiles. All right? And in the chapter 5, the third verse, he, of course, he now wants the church to get into the order of judging the matter. And he says, For verily I say, as I'm absent in the body, but present in spirit, I have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. And in the fourth verse says, And in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and my spirit, we, the power of our Lord. I mean, if you hear that and you share it in a space where people have not understood the ability and power of your spirit as a believer, you might even start to sound strange. But here is Paul in his boldness telling them that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, when you gather, comma, my spirit as well will be there with the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We shall judge this issue. He says, even though I'm absent in the body, but I'm present in the spirit. I'm with you in the spirit. And I am judging that matter as one that is with you in the spirit. So when you guys come together, as well as the church, to judge this matter, I want you to note that I will also be there. My spirit will be present. Now, we have many people who, when they miss meetings, they say, oh, sorry, I'm not going to come, but I will be with you in spirit. Some people miss parties and they say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to attend this party, but I will be with you in spirit. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to attend the fellowship today, but I will be with you in spirit. And what many people imply with that is that they are in agreement with what we are doing in that fellowship. Or that their whole person is yielded and fully concurs with what we are doing at that particular hour. But that is not what Paul meant. That is what the carnal man would interpret or think that that's what Paul meant. But that's not what Paul meant. Paul is actually awakening the church to the reality that it is possible for the human spirit with the Holy Spirit to be awakened to realities of transcending even the physical presence of that man to spaces where that man is not physically and can fully attend and recognize, appreciate, and connect to everything that is happening in the absentia of that man or woman physically. Oh my God, what did I just say? I know that would disturb a man who has lived in the flesh for so long. Yet Satan is doing that with men of darkness. He's connecting the souls of men who are not born again with familiar spirits and their souls and minds are awakened to realities that are beyond even their physical presence, their physical location. We call that astral projection, out-of-body experiences. This is just Satan coping the reality of what a Christian should be. But also cognizant of the fact that if a man is not mature, in the things of God, he can easily yield to a familiar spirit and carry those experiences and appear to be as one that is moving in this reality. And if he or she is gifted, that can be the justifier that indeed this is a man or a woman of God. But that is not so. Again, the judgments take us back to the reconciliation of truth. But I say sadly as an apostle that not many people are able 
to discern what I'm talking about or to even weigh men in the matters of truth because we don't even yet know what is truth, what the truth is. The churches, not many people are emphasizing teaching, discipleship, doctrinal issues. And because these are spaces that, you know, the church has dark ages over and some who have tried to go into the realities and liberties of the spirit and messed up because they did not go by the spirit, while not led by the spirit, went with familiar spirits and their own selves were pushed there and have made grave errors in the church. The church now chooses to sit back in more of a comfort, more explainable, liberal, acceptable, conservative Christianity because it will not spoil for much. But that does not take away the responsibility that we have toward God to fully explore the potential of the human spirit that is fully connected, yielded, and led of God. Fully connected and yielded and led of God. And that's the beginning of it. Why is God showing you things? Or why do certain ideas come in your head and those ideas happen? God is trying to tell you, hey, I can move your spirit to certain spaces beyond your physical location. Proximity is not access. I can connect you to spaces. There are places I have in prayer, and this is my own testimony. There are places in prayer, or sometimes when I'm sleeping, or sometimes when I'm sitting. They come as pictures. They just come as pictures. One time, I remember... I was, you know, seated and a vision comes to me about a certain place. And I saw myself standing on a particular street and that lasted for quite some time. And, you know, the vision left and I said, God, why? I went to inquire with God why my spirit was in that place at that particular, what was I seeing and why was I seeing it, right? It took me about a year after I had prayed about that issue, because I prayed through my visions, I prayed through my dreams, I take time to inquire, okay? It took me about a, a year, and I remember one of those times I had gone somewhere in the United States to preach, and I remember we moved out of the house and we'd gone to pick a certain group of people, and I remember standing on that exact street, I'd not even noticed, but I remember I'd come out of the car, we taking photos, and the moment I stood on that street, I remembered the whole geography, and I said, I think and I believe, I remember like I have been here before. That means I was there already in the spirit. Now, it was not just enough as though God was simply telling me, oh, you know, I was just showing you that you were going to get here. No, God usually does not carry instructions that are incomplete. No, the completion of those instructions Every time you lean in, you'll always inquire of the wisdom and mind intent of God of why you are there. And indeed, for me, it had to tell me, go back, search yourself keenly. Why are you in this particular area? And in the seeking and searching, he started to open up for me more and more instruction of my responsibility in that place, why I was there, how this was going to happen in the future. So, And that's how I understood how we as ministers sometimes are, you know, pushed by the Spirit, nudged, qualified by the Spirit to possess and have authority over particular territories in the Spirit realm. To know that I think I have an inheritance connected to this place and that inheritance carries a definitive instruction of God touching my ministry, my assignment, my call. These things are so deep to understand. God does not carry your spirit and place it somewhere for vision, just for a luxury. You don't wake up and say, now let me choose to go to France. Like some people teach. That's foolish. It's not godly. Oh, I have had young men who are a bit excited in the things of the gospel say, you know, now I can choose to go to America. To do what? I can choose to go to Ghana now in the spirit. To do what? You think that the liberties of the spirit do not come with a responsibility? Remember, they are a cloak. They are a wearing. And that wearing is a certain elevation. That's why he says, do not use your liberty as a cloak of evil, of vice of deception, of darkness, because it's a wearing, it's a certain positioning in the spirit that qualifies you to participate in a certain priestly responsibility. It's more than, oh, let me choose now to go to Tanzania. Oh, let me choose now to go to the Netherlands. To do what? To do what? 
No, when you mature, he is the one that leads you there. It's his call. It's his choice. It's his assignment. Any other way you get there, except by his leading, is your own way. And you come out of rebellion and ignorance. But you see, that's what the ignorant call liberty. You are as free as you are yielded to God. There is no liberty of the spirit that disconnects you from the realities of our submission entirely to the person, instruction, assignment, and life of God. That doesn't exist. Our liberties were not fashioned so. They were not designed so. They were not functioned like that. God has given you liberties to define yourself in line with God's divine purpose, his will for your life, and why you are alive in that dispensation to fulfill what God has called you to be and do. So there are times in prayer, you know, I could get a vision about an individual and I'm meeting that individual. So because I'm exercised, I'm mature in that, I usually ask God, why am I meeting this person? Why do I see myself meeting them? Then God tells me, okay, they're going to come this way. and Oh, so I pick details. And when I pick details and I'm meeting this person, I am meeting them on purpose. Not because I can meet them or because they have access to me, but I'm meeting them on purpose. Okay? We go to certain places on purpose. And some of those things are the most strangest places. I've found myself in the most weird places at the most weird time because I am instructed by God. And every time I get there, I get an instruction very clearly. Very, very, very clearly. One time, years ago, the Spirit of the Lord gave me a vision of a young man and impressed it on me. And the instruction was not full of why, okay? And during that time, the Spirit of God leads me to drive late. And the leading of that driving late, I did not know why I was driving late. It was many years ago. And I remember, late at night, instructed by God, I'm driving, and I see this young man passing with somebody. And he was going somewhere. He was not supposed to go. And I said, but you should have told me that. But you see, his ways are not my ways. I don't know why he chose that I would see what I had to see or maybe my soul needed to connect to that to see the reality of what God was telling me at that particular point. But I remember when I saw this young man, the Spirit of God was very clear about the instruction touching this young man's destiny. And he sort of played a video for me of where this man was going and these destructions that were going to come. I don't know why he wanted me to be there, but I believe he had a reason that I will ask him in heaven or he'll tell me later one day. Up to day, I don't know why. And I remember going back home and I prayed fervently for that young man. And as I'm speaking, that young man is a minister of the gospel. I have never sat him down to tell him, I actually one time saw you at 3 a.m., you know, walking somewhere with this and this kind of individual. If the Lord ever tells me to tell him, I will. If he never tells me, it shall be fine with me. But that satisfies my soul that I was in the perfect will of God. And with that, I served God with my spirit in the gospel. I served God. Now, I might have not had cameras watching me. I have not probably been applauded. Maybe the young man hasn't even clapped his hands. But what I see, what I know, what I understand in that is that my reward with God is in those things that many a times are even more private than you ever think. I'll tell you one more. Back in the university, there used to be a fellow who used to wake up in the morning and write scriptures on our blackboards. Okay? So every time we came to class, in a corner of a blackboard, we used to find scriptures. For all my years in the university, I never met that guy. I have never known him. I never met him physically. And that's many years ago, more than 10 years. So I remember one of those days I'm in the living room and I'm, you know, fellowshipping with God. And, you know, just that place where you feel you are one with God and things are happening. And my spirit is taken back more than 10 years ago into that event. That was the first time in my life that I had a vision of who this man was. I'd never met him. Now, these, of course, are strange people who don't know God. But this is funny. And from there, I saw it was like a movie played in my spirit. And I saw this fellow in a car. And I saw a car crash and it was killing him. Now, in my years of ministry, in my earlier years, I used to have those things 
and they would happen to people. And I'll be like, but I thought about it. And later when I matured, I realized that God was trying to tell me to pray for these individuals so these things would not befall them. All right. So I used to know people dying. Up to today, I do. But sometimes then I ask God, is this person going to leave? What's your mind? And some of them would tell me, no, let them go. And this is not an apostolic place. It's a place for every child of God. Okay. So I remember I see this guy in a vision and he's in a car accident. Boom, and he's dying. And God tells me, go on your knees now. Strange as it appeared, I just went on my knees and interceded for a man I'd never met in the flesh. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And after, the Lord tells me, it is well now. Now, I might never meet that man, or probably through this production one day he'll say, ah, as the guy who wrote there, and I think I survived an accident this year. Maybe one day he will connect through this and say, ah, I am that particular man, and God will minister to him, you know, in a more unique way. But to find myself praying for a person I had never met, whose works I last read more than 10 years ago, but God is nudging me at that particular hour that this man is going to die and that you have to intercede for him, that is serving God through your spirit. I would rather be wrong when I've prayed for a man and ignore and hear that that man died, okay? Because then that means my ministry is frustrated. Why? Because at the point where the heavens demanded me to act, I did not have the wisdom and ability to act. I did not have the full understanding. And I have met people. I have seen in the spirit in the morning. My spirit has met in the morning. I have, you know, communicated with people. My spirit has communicated to in the morning. And sometimes I meet people in dreams and I find myself ministering to certain individuals in the dreams. And I find them and they say, oh, I dreamt about you. And this and this was happening. I remember one time I was in the living room with my wife and uh, there's a lady I'd ministered to that very night concerning her business and God had given me a word of knowledge that was so accurately connected to her ministry and her business. And I was with my wife in the living room and I called that lady and she was a loudspeaker and she was the first to actually say, because I told my wife, I think I need to call this lady. I saw A, B, C, D, E and I was praying for her in this area and she was the first to call. And she said, I dreamt about you and you were instructing me about something. It was something you were doing. It was something you were telling me about my business. Oh, that was easy because it means how could she have dreamt about me the same night when God had given me the instruction of impartation? Because this lady had been out of business for quite a long time, but she did not know why she was out of business. And that answer came in the night when she dreams of me instructing her, touching something, and me doing something as a minister. But as well, it came in the time when God as well had instructed me to say and minister to her in a certain way. That is how. Born again believers are supposed to be. It's not for a few special people. No, it's for every child of God who is maturing in the ways of the Spirit. You can never be effective in the spirit realm when your inner man is weak, when your inner man is indifferent, when your inner man is disconnected to reality. Somebody can say something wrong about somebody. And that inner man tells you, mm, it's not right, they're not telling the truth. It doesn't matter how much information, it doesn't matter how much proof you can give me about an individual. If the Spirit of God has not told me about that person in the Spirit, I cannot put a finger on them and say, I think this person is guilty of that. Because there are things that even transcend the biggest proof in the world. There are many people in prisons right now, and all proof, you know, was pointing to them, but they're innocent, okay? But there's a God who weighs the hearts of men and deals with us individually and entirely on how he sees us and how he deals with us, and that's what makes him infinite. That's what makes him big. That's what makes him amazing, okay? And that goes not only about people, events. When you meet somebody and you want to do business with them, what does your inner man tell you? Do you pray in your spirit to say, I think I can do business with this person, or I can't do business with them? Many people right now are in broken relationships and are regretting why they're married. But when you are going to get married, your inner man told you. Your spirit man told you. When you enter that relationship, your inner man told you. 
this is not the way to go. The Holy Spirit ministered and you knew you didn't have that peace. Okay, but probably the passion of the hour, the joy of the hour, the pressures of the hour pushed you into that relationship. And now you're paying so dearly a price, and I'm speaking to somebody right now, because you did not yield. That help was present through the Holy Spirit. And so I urge you by God, do not frustrate the lamp of the Lord in you, the spirit that you carry, that personality of him that proceeds from him into you for your good. Exercise that man to truth. Exercise him to humility to hear the voice of God. Break if you have to. Humble if you have to. Wait if you have to. But be sure that every decision, every action, every choosing, every story, everything that you enter is fully led and yielded to the person of the Holy Spirit through your inner man. I know that somebody has understood me. I know that I probably might not have words to fully express even what I feel in my spirit, but I feel that the Holy Spirit gives me a special aid, a special help to help you understand more than I'm able to even speak with my own words. And excuse if I'm not able to put certain words the way I should. But that in the reality and clarity of these things spiritually, you might choose words for you and you take it and that your life will change in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because your word has come out, and I believe in the name of Jesus that you are speaking to us tonight. Give understanding, give knowledge, give wisdom to the inner man, Give might to the inner man by your spirit. May we be totally yielded vessels and we are ready to go, ready to walk in the liberties of the spirit as so your spirit will give us grace. We will never tread where you've not led us and we shall be humbled if in the spaces you've led us there were fewer than others. We shall never compare ourselves with others for we become fools. We shall be rested in what you're able to show us and find the satisfaction that if there was more to know and we needed it, you'd show. May we never last touching the things of the Spirit, but stay sober and mature as we wait on our Lord, for we are certain that the fruits of the Spirit will be evident even as we serve you, because we want to serve you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you're sick in your body, receive your healing. Right now, in the name of Jesus, receive your healing. Cancer is healing. High blood pressure is healing. I see arthritis of the legs heal in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is the only person that you need, Jesus. The Bible says he is the only name by which men are saved. He is the way, the truth, and life. Nobody gets to the Father except by him. So I want to give you an open invitation to pray with you as you welcome this man in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for my life. I thank you that you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.